Hello and welcome to the Life Tools podcast. In school, we learned history and algebra, foreign languages and chemistry, but nobody taught us tools for life. How do we deal with self-doubt? What are beliefs and how do they influence us? How do we find ourselves when we feel lost? And how do we make a healthy decision? Many people learn these things much later in life, after three, four, even five decades of existence, and often the hard way. For a few, like myself, I had to learn them very early. I created this podcast to share with you the tools that have helped me greatly in my own life. They're small actions anybody can take that bring big results over time. Let's get to it. Hello everyone, we are back to the regular episodes of the Life Tools podcast and this week we are talking about anger. This is an emotion that took me a very, very, very long time to understand and to make peace with. Our conditioned ways of thinking about anger has caused us and continues to cause us so much pain. So today I want to share with you what I have learned in my personal life about it and my hope is that it helps you too. To give you some background, in my childhood I was around people who were chronically angry. It was very difficult for me. As a child, I was also chronically angry and it was very difficult for the people around me. Ironically, this emotion that was very common, so common in fact that it was a part of our daily life, was also so demonized, so unwelcome. My first foray into understanding the psychology of anger must have been in my early teens when I found a book at my parents' house on anger management. It was specifically written for adults, so some of the things in there didn't speak very well to me. I did not find specific tools that could help me in my particular situation in my particular teenage world. Still, I thank the universe for dropping that book in my lap because that was the first time in my life that I understood that anger is not just anger, that there is something behind it. In society, we think of anger as bad and of angry people as selfish or entitled or unreasonable. We shut children up when they're mad that they have to take their bath right now when they would rather continue playing. When we accidentally spill coffee on a rug and the owner gets angry, we get upset and say, this person's blowing things out of proportion is just disdain. We also criticize ourselves when we get angry. When someone cuts us off during a meeting and this causes us to feel anger, we tell ourselves it's a small thing, it's not appropriate to be angry. But this attitude doesn't serve anyone. It's actually doing us more harm than good because denying anger does not make it go away. Fearing or hating or making an enemy out of anything only gives it more power over us. Instead, we could seek to understand it. I grew up believing that anger is the direct and necessary result of an external event. But what I came to understand over time is that it is in fact the result of my perception of the event as a threat, especially if this threat is one I feel I cannot get rid of at will And so I'm forever stuck here and hell, I don't want this. So basically, if A represents the event and B the perception of the event as a threat, then it is not A equals anger, but A plus B that equals anger. And just to clarify, when I say threatening, I don't mean only the stuff we consider to be threatening, like physical harm or someone saying they'll do something to us if we don't give them what they want. In this context, threatening means anything that prevents us from being in a state of well-being. Because I like real-life examples, I'll give you one. One of the things I hate the most is people being late. 
even more so if they don't update me that they're going to be late. How is this a threat to my well-being? It's a threat because I'm someone who plans my day. I have 5 million things I want to do and 30 minutes spent waiting for someone is 30 minutes I could have spent on one of those 5 million things. This feeling that I have wasted my time creates frustration, which is not a state of well-being. If the person tells me ahead though that given traffic conditions they will probably be late, then I won't be angry because I will come prepared with a book to read or a journal to fill or work to do. There is no perceived threat. Therefore, there is no anger. So if anger is just a reaction to a perceived threat, then it can't be bad. It's like if someone comes charging at you with a knife, you're going to defend yourself, right? This act of defense is not bad. It is self-protection. So instead of the usual way we've been dealing with anger, here's what we can do instead. Number one, feel the anger. It's just an emotion that was an instinctive response to a perceived threat. There is nothing negative about it and there is nothing to fear. It's crucial to feel our negative emotions because any emotion that is suppressed does not go away. I know I have said that, but it's worth repeating. It only accumulates, much like how water in a container that you don't pour out only collects and collects till the container explodes. So we feel the feelings without labeling them as bad or inappropriate. Number two. Once we have felt our feelings, we ask ourselves, what is the threat I am perceiving here? In the example I gave, the threat was that this person was taking away my time against my will that I could have used to do something better. And since it's very important for me to optimize my time because there's so much I want to do, this is not okay. In the example of someone cutting you off mid-speech during a meeting, the threat you perceive could be that this person disrespects you because in their eyes you are a nobody and if this continues, you will never have your rightful place in the company. Seen this way, of course, being cut off is not okay and therefore would cause you to feel anger. Number three, once we have identified the threat, we have two choices. Either take action to eliminate the threat or change our perception of the threat. One is external, the other internal. Here's how this goes. In my personal example, if I choose option one, eliminate the threat, I could do any number of things. I could communicate with the person that if they're late, I'll wait 10 minutes max, and if they're still not there, I'm going on with my day and we can just reschedule. I could also arrange for the meeting to be on a day when the person will be more likely to arrive on time, like on low traffic days, if the meeting is not urgent, of course. Or, if I think the person being late or not is completely out of my control, I could make sure I bring something to occupy me just in case they're late. Or, if this person is a chronic latecomer and I really can't stand it, I can decide to never arrange anything with them, etc, etc. Now, if I choose option 2, change my perception of the threat, then I just need to play around with the meaning I give to the thing that I perceive to be a threat. Something is a threat because of the meaning I assign to it. 30 minutes waiting for someone is 30 minutes wasted is an interpretation. What if I tell myself instead, my mind is always on overdrive so anytime someone's late is an opportunity for me to let my mind rest. I could people watch or maybe take a walk and this will allow my brain to relax, which is awesome for creativity. This way, I have turned what used to be threatening into something that is actually beneficial. Let's walk through this third step using the example of being cut off mid-speech. If you want to eliminate the threat, you could say, hold on, let me finish first. And then once you're done talking, you make a signal to the person that it is now their turn to talk. 
I use this a lot myself and I find it's actually quite effective. Just make sure though that you practice the golden rule. Listen to what the other person is saying and let them finish before you talk. You could also talk to this person privately and say, Today you interrupted me a few times while I was talking and I was frustrated because it's important for me that everyone gets to express their ideas. So I'm asking you to refrain from repeating this in the future. If this person is your superior and it's too scary for you to speak up, even though my personal advice is you still speak up, then you could change your perception of the behavior. You could decide that it doesn't mean anything about you, especially not that you are insignificant. That's just the way the person is. It's who they are and who they are is the product of their personality and personal history. And if you really need to communicate something, you could do it in written form or have someone more likely to be heard pass the message. In either case, whether you take option one or two, the threat is no longer a threat. I share these tips with you this week because I've recently been feeling a lot of anger myself and I've had to practice this in my own life and they really, really help. Being able to deconstruct anger like this and to address it from its root lifts you out of a powerless state. And this is huge because the most difficult part about having a problem is not having a problem itself, but feeling powerless to solve it. These tips have also helped me to understand other people's anger, to understand it from their position, and then to have a better feel for the right mutual solution. I suggest you listen to this episode at least twice if this is the first time you're exploring the topic of anger. The concept is actually pretty simple, but given that we have been so conditioned to think of anger as bad or evil or inappropriate, it's going to take a bit of practice to change that perception. The next time anger shows up within you, walk yourself through the three steps. I promise if you apply this consistently, you will see major benefits for your well-being. Thank you for listening. I hope this was helpful and have a great week ahead. Bye! Bye!